You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and render written and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available on all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Welcome back in a reminder here as we get into episode two and further along with our interview with Philip Klein of Klein Investigations and Consulting, that this is an ongoing investigation. Little Dior Coons is still missing. We're coming up on eight years now, and if you have any information or if Klein Investigations has some information part of the information, but needs a little bit more, and you can clarify something for them and their investigation, please make sure that you reach out to the investigating agencies here because the captain and I both feel like there are just a couple of questions that need to be answered to seal this investigation up and really figure out what happened here and maybe bring forward charges in this investigation and find the little boy and his remains. Yeah. And anybody that's been following this case, we, we really felt like this interview is really important to release because both me and the Colonel have followed this case very closely and had some questions. And I, th- I think Philip does a great job of painting a clearer picture of what possibly happened. And the investigating agency in this case is the Leem high County Sheriff's office They can be contacted at 208-756-8980, or you can go to their website. If you are uncomfortable with speaking with someone from law enforcement for any reason at all, you can most certainly contact Philip Klein or any of his colleagues at Klein Investigations. Their website is K-L-E-I-N investigations.com. And their phone number is 409-729-8798. And now we get to our questions for Klein Investigations as we go into part two. If we're covering up an accident, okay, you could take us through 
maybe what would be the penalty for a parent involved in some kind of accident resulting in the the a fatality of their youngster. But a big question I have here is, did you guys find anything to suggest that Vernal was involved in drug use and or regular j- drug use? Well, so the answer to that question is yes. There are suggestions that he had used meth from time to time, according to the family members. Again, I don't know how much meth he was into, but it was enough to raise the aura of the family. I think Jessica also told us that uh, he used a little bit. But Jessica Jessica isn't the Virgin Mary in all this now. She, She misled us as well which goes back to that interview after we were fired by Jessica, well, actually by Vernal's father uh, and hired by another family member. Uh, That now famous interview, that's all, uh, I think you can get it on the interview. uh, And and, and even the media people missed it, but they got it during dubbing and they called us and said, hey, you need to get a copy of this. Where Vernal, she's doing the interview and they say, hold on, we've got to change a battery. So while they're changing the battery on one of the cameras, the other camera's just a rolling. I mean, it's just rolling. And Vernal gets over to her and looks at her and goes, do not use past tense words. Use present tense words. She goes, what? Don't say was, say is. Something to that effect. And I'm paraphrasing again. And she looks at him and she just rolls her eyes and shakes her head. But she changes the backside of the interview to use present day tense. And that kind of, that's when we all went, okay, now we know. That's when we kind of went, okay, that nothing that comes out of their mouth is going to be the truth. And they wouldn't talk about it with law enforcement. Mr. Browning shut down their communications with law enforcement at that point. And, and I, I'm going down the drug route because of, multitude of reasons but at the most simple is his job he's a he's a trucker and i know that with with a lot of those types of jobs an on the job or even off the job accident results in mandatory drug testing to keep your job and where where somebody might be wondering well why would they if it was truly just an accident why go to these great lengths to cover it up well there's there's other things at stake for uh for vernal Well, I think here, yes, you are absolutely right. That is part of the equation. Yes, you're, you're very, you're very good at that. But let me say B, I want you to hear this, is that they didn't know the law. Now, if they had picked up the phone and said there was an accident, or if they had confessed to the FBI and said, yeah, we buried the baby in a cooler, right? And then at a later time and date after everybody had left and we said we were going up there to do searches, we got the cooler out of the ground and we took it over to the dumpster or to a dumpster sack, uh, which will lead us to where we are today. Uh, and it was delivered into a landfill because remember, those guys don't look inside their dumpsters. They just come up with their big trucks and dump it in the dumpster. How many bodies have we found in, in the landfills? So um, I, I, I think they didn't know the law, and I think that they were probably thinking they would have gone to jail for the rest of their lives, when in fact, all of the police officers were telling them, 
look, you're not going to jail for the rest of your life. If you did this in, in Idaho, it's called tampering with a body. It's a class C misdemeanor, like a traffic ticket, like going 75 and a 55. All you have to do is admit to it, be done with it, pay your fine, maybe do two days in jail at the worst. Who knows what they would have done up in Lim High. What are you going to do? Tell us. I mean, God, make this all go away. Because at that point, we had Nancy Grace involved. We had, oh, my God, Dr. Phil wanted the children over there. And then me faced the, uh, the, um, the, the, the two adults. Me faced the two adults because he had read what we had been putting out. Because we had to put out something. They weren't our clients anymore. And that's when the sheriff came out and said, they're suspects. And then that's when the media came to us and said, what's your opinion? And we said, we don't see anything wrong with what the sheriff has said. We're where the sheriff is. We're with law enforcement on this one. Because, you know, I'm not their defense investigator, right? I'm, I'm the guy just trying to find the body or the kid, right? And that's when all the miss, that's when all the miss nomers went out from, from people that lived in Idaho Falls, that knew the attorney, that knew Jessica and Vernal and I think, you know, once people started going, you know, once you start putting that doubt in people's mind, uh, you know, I think they were trying to impugn a jury pool. I think they were. Uh, but I, because they knew we were getting close. And then all of a sudden they made the decision they were going to sue us for contract violation. And we were like, you can't sue us for that. that and and uh, because... The truth is the ultimate defense. That's our famous saying around here. The truth is the ultimate defense. And there's been, you know, many people since 1992 that have tried to file some type of legal action saying, well, you guys didn't do your jobs. You didn't find my kid. And we say, well, yeah, we did. It's the body. And this is, again, before DNA was real big. And then they find out, oh, in fact, we did. And the suits dropped to people that we've named as suspects. And then the judges and the juries get a hold of the information and they go, oh, no, 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 no. These guys are not liable. These guys know what they're doing. Because when we get on the stand, we tell the story and we tell it in a concise manner that people will understand. So I think I think that the misinformation plays started. And I think once the lawsuit was filed, witnesses clammed up. Everybody kind of went, ooh, ooh, I don't want to be involved in that. And the judge dismissed the lawsuit immediately, not immediately, I think after about five, six months, the judge dismissed the lawsuit. The interesting part of the lawsuit was it was only Vernal suing. Vernal and his father. It wasn't Jessica. Jessica didn't, didn't sue us. So what you're saying, out of the four people that were up there, the mother, the father, and the grandfather know what happened, but maybe... The mother's not saying anything because we're not suing you guys because she feels more guilty about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I met their attorney. Uh, I like the guy. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a nice guy. Uh, he just was defending his clients. He's kind of a bulldog, which is fine. You got to have, you know, he's he's not a Denny Crane. He's not an Alan Shore. He's, <laughs> he's just one of those guys that shut the hell up. His pleadings are very, very mean. Uh, and, and that's some attorneys. I've met nice attorneys, mean attorney. He's a mean attorney. I think that in the end, um, you know, Vernal's daddy died, right? 
And um, during the middle of the lawsuit, uh, I think Vernal was out there on his own and we were fixing to start depositions. And that was not going to go the right way for Vernal. Uh, because he knew that we knew everything. And, and, and I think he started becoming a little shaky, but we went ahead to the judge and said, judge, you know, look, uh, they want to file a motion to dismiss with attorney's fees. We said, no, we're going to fight that. We presented what we knew. The judge came back after about a week and said, no, uh, Klein's good. His information is good. The truth is the ultimate defense. Uh, Mr. Coons, you've lied over all this stuff. Uh, and he said it, you know, kind of in a pleading. He didn't come out and say, you're a liar. He came out and just said, no, you know, it's not working for you, Mr. Coons. And the truth is the ultimate defense. And so therefore, uh, uh, under uh, uh, under the law, you are, uh, uh, I'm dismissing the case. And not only am I dismissing the case, but I'm giving Mr. Klein's insurance company, Mr. Klein, the opportunity to collect their uh, legal fees, which were well over $100,000, immediately did a asset check on Vernal and his dad's estate. And they, they don't, they don't have any money. They got $0. Uh, so why would I want to spend another 25,000 to get liens on people that have no money? I mean, that's just a waste of my money and it's a waste of time. So we let it go. We just let it go. And I, I think that uh, at that point, Trina Clegg brought in a guy named David Marshburn. He's also a private investigator. And Marshburn went out to the site. And his dog, interestingly enough, we've never said this publicly because we've all kind of just sat back and kind of wanted to watch what Marshburn would do. Uh, but Marshburn sided up with, uh, with uh, 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 Mr. Browning. That was uh, Vernal Coons' lawyer. Uh, Marshburn's dog hit in the same place that we our dogs hit. So it's kind of like, oh, I found a bone and this is going to blow this case wide open and all this other stuff. We were like, well, if you found a bone, shit, you're better than us. Yay. And because, uh, you know, we one thing we do here is we keep a positive attitude. We really do. We, we keep a positive attitude. It's not about who finds a child. It's about finding the child, right? So if people have other eyes, Yay, go get them, right? That's what that's the way we feel here, okay? So when Marshburn started coming out on TV and radio and said, oh, I found, my dog's found scent, and he went all over Facebook, and he had pictures of himself up on Facebook and with the dogs and everything, we were like, go, dog, go, let's go. Maybe we were wrong. It's okay to be wrong, right? It's okay. It's okay to be wrong. Everybody looks at it as, that's terrible and horrible, but it's okay to be wrong if you do it in good faith. If you do it in bad faith, you lie and you're trying to get away with something, that's bad. But that's kind of how we handled it. Well, Marsh Burns' bone turned out to be an old deer bone from back in, they said, the, I think they were telling us it was, uh, oh my goodness, back in 19, I think they said in the 90s, the 80s, it was just an old bone from a deer. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, Marsh Burns disappeared from the case. So that's been kind of interesting. He's kind of disappeared. But he did show up on YouTube with Mr. Browning calling me names, calling my company names, calling everybody names. Well, and you see that with online sleuthers, with YouTube creators, podcast creators, where everybody wants to be the genius or the expert of a certain case. And it really doesn't matter who solves this case 
or who figures out where this boy is and how we get the remains back as long as it gets done. Yeah, and interestingly enough, when we found out Marshburn was involved, I sent David a, a letter and I followed it up with a phone call saying, hey, you may be better than us. Rah, rah, let's go get them. I'm going to load everything up into bankers boxes. I've got to be out in South Carolina on, on a, in a meeting or I was teaching. I, why don't I just drive up the road and, uh, you know, you and I can sit in a room and we'll grab some pizza and some Coke and we'll sit on the floor and you can go through every one of our files. I have permission from my client to allow you to go through every one of my files. And you know what he said? I don't want to go through your files. I don't want anything to do with you. And that kind of went, what? What did we do to you, dude? What? what why did we, we didn't crap in your backyard. What's going on? So um, you're the one that came and crapped in our backyard. So we're trying to extend, uh, you know, a good faith gesture to you saying, maybe you are smarter than us. Let's go through the file together. Let's go through the interviews. Let's get a TV set up and we'll bring sticks and you can watch every interview and you can, you can do all this stuff. And then if you want to do a podcast, he does podcasts. We said, if you want to do a podcast, let's do a podcast together. I'll answer any question you have. Let's work together. Tell us to go blow. Literally, go screw yourself, I think was the words. And we were like, and he cursed me out. Like I've never used the F word and all these other words. And we were like, dude, what are you doing? What What's going on? Aren't we supposed to all be working together, find a kid? And uh, so that's how Marshburn came in. Philip, let's go through some things real quick, kind of short answers. What, yes, no, because there's a couple things I want to make sure that we get to before sure. we run out of time. Uh, just to kind of answer some quick rapid fire type questions, check some boxes for those listening. So what what you're saying is that your through interviews and through the your findings, your evidence, it, it is of your opinion that there some kind of accidental death led to the death of this little boy and the parents then cover it up. Stop me when I get to something that I'm wrong. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. They, they, they conceal the body near the scene of where they are air quotes camping. Mm -hmm. Um, and probably Vernal sitting there awfully nervous, hoping they don't find what they've concealed so that it can be moved later. Right. And, then your findings and things that you've uncovered suggest that we're probably, if you were to find the remains, it's likely in in the landfill somewhere. And then Bob Walton uh, passes away. And basically he may not know exactly what happened, but it sounds like he wasn't willing to budge. He may not have been there when it happened, but he, he's, he's accepted it for what it is and choosing not to talk, uh, leading up to his death. And then the, th with Isaac, he's a bit of a scapegoat because mom and dad can point to him and go, well, he's kind of this weird guy that we don't really know. And he's there on this trip, but there's nothing to suggest that Isaac was up to, to no good. And, and Isaac is interviewed by you guys on multiple occasions he's the only one of the four that is giving a consistent story. And his story, it sounds like to me is I'm a 
that Dior was there the day before, and then the next morning, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. I didn't, I don't see Dior after that. Exactly. And so, it, so at some point, they conceal the remains and now bring us up to speed of some rather interesting finds that you guys had as far as post offense behavior, as far as uh, post cover up behavior from mom and dad who just lost mysteriously lost their two and a half year old little boy. Well, at first they start out and they go on this campaign, Philip Klein's bad, which is normal. I mean, uh, you know, we've had suspects do that all the time. Philip Klein's normal, horrible, terrible type guy. So we know right then, okay, well, something's coming. So a lot of the news media does the three-year anniversary, the five-year anniversary, the eight-year anniversary. And in these interviews, they say, oh, we go up all of the time and we search for the baby up there in the mountains. When in fact, we already know because consequently us and law enforcement are up there in the mountains kind of watching who's coming and going. They hadn't been up there. They've never gone up there. They've gone up there maybe one time, one time they went up there and that was to do an interview with the news media. Right. And so we kind of went, Hmm, now, this is during the litigation phase. They were just trying to put on a good front, which is fine. It's okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we, when you leave people alone, they have a tendency to be who they really are. Vernal moves out of Idaho Falls and goes down to, I guess, Las Vegas, Nevada, a little town north of Las Vegas, but we'll call it Las Vegas. And he's going to be a trucker, and he's doing his trucking thing. And so during that time, we get what we call a UC, an undercover, uh, not an investigator, but an undercover uh, plant. And she makes contact with Vernal. And Vernal, we start going, hmm, okay, Vernal, you know, what are you up to? And so she makes friends with him and they're talking on the internet and they talk on Facebook. And then out of nowhere, this UC starts sending us pictures that Vernal sent into himself, very graphic pornography pictures of himself to this girl. And she goes, what do you want us to do? I said, keep it coming. Let's go. Let's see what he's all about. And so that's one thing that happens. So we're kind of like, okay, in the pictures, you can see some pretty scandalous stuff. I don't really want to talk about it because I can't test it and make sure it is what it is but some pretty scandalous stuff. Then after that, he figures out, oh no, I've been duped. This is an undercover agent, that uh, undercover witness that his clients put onto me. And so he blows up and goes crazy. So we in the process uh, begin to um, re-go back over our notes. Now, there's a time period in there, a six-month time period, where we kind of let everything just kind of go cool. We just want everything to kind of go cool. So when we decide to crank back up, the, the client calls us, another client calls us and says, I'm sisters with this one. I want to get you guys back involved. We're like, ah, you know, we've already dropped out. We don't know. Then they say, please, Mr. Mr. Klein, would you do this and to Mrs. Gear and Mrs. Gear, please. So we do. 
we say, okay, you know, no money, foundation will cover the expenses too at this point, which by the way, my company has about almost $200,000 invested in this case of our money, right? Of our money, not anybody else's money of our money. And people say, why the hell, especially people in the media say, why the hell you do that? Well, you know what? It's not about us and it's not about them. It's about finding this little baby to put this little baby to rest. Well, when you do it as long as we do it and you're as successful at it as we are, there's something inside your body and soul that tells you, you you can't walk away from it. This is one of those cases. I just can't walk away. I just, I can't, I can't. I just see that little boy's face and it kills me because uh, I have a little grandson that you know has that same little face, innocence, happy, you know, all, you know, little blonde hair, big boots, you know, a whole bit. So we crank back up and the first thing I want to do is thing called a peer review. Y'all know peer reviews. Do y'all ever talk about those where you get other private investigators that are on your level to, you send them the, you send them, we call it the box, you send them the box and they go through everything you've done. And some of those can get pretty rough. I mean, they can say, why did you do this? Why'd you ask this question? I know a lot of them have asked me that have reviewed my case. Why'd you throw the laptop across the room? And it was just out of total frustration of this guy. I knew he knew what happened to that child. I just knew Bob knew. I just knew it. You just know when you interview as many people as we've interviewed. I think uh, when I saw Holmes start turning red and getting angry and, you know, the guy was just kind of laughing at us and saying, <laughs> they can screw and have another baby. And we were like, what? I mean, that's how blatant it is. And so um, the peer review came back to us and said, no, you guys are right on track. Other than a couple of things, you shouldn't have filmed the laptop. You shouldn't have. Oh, I think there was a, you should have confronted uh, earlier. You should have confronted uh, Vernal in person with what you had on the blood. You should have, you know, there's a bunch of stuff we should have done, which looking back, they're probably right. I mean, you know, it was in the heat of the moment and that sort of thing. So, we, after peer review was done, we said, okay, let's go back over everything we, everything we have done. And we did that. And what we came back to is the missing uh, cooler, right? And the um, dumpsters that were down at the bottom of the hill, seven miles away. And we started making out a path, a passage towards, okay, what if Vernal and Jessica went down there and they, they watched the dumpsters and which would fit the timeline, it would fit everything right perfect. And they got that cooler and they dumped it in the, uh, uh, they dumped it in the uh, dumpster. Interestingly enough, the guy at the, uh, the guy at the uh, gas, uh, it wasn't a gas station, the feed store uh, did say, yeah, there was a cooler on the truck. So, and, it just, and so we kind of thought to ourselves, well, you know, maybe Vernal was going down to get ice. There was no ice purchase. So that was kind of a miss by us and law enforcement. Um, and so uh, at that point, uh, we kind of feel what happened. The working theory we're working with now is that, uh, that uh, he buried the body up there, covered it up, put it as all the people arrived. There was a guy out there directing traffic. Uh, to where to park your cars and don't park it in the crime scene area, which is of course right there at the uh, uh, at the uh, cattle guard. Right, remember the cattle guard. 
Calgar comes into play in this thing. And uh, so we feel that uh, it, the working theory we're working with, based upon the information we've gotten from witnesses, is that uh, that uh, the uh, the cooler was most likely used, uh, buried there, covered up. After everybody left, they eventually somebody went back up there and got that cooler and put it in the dumpster uh, down south. Or in retrospect, they laid the body there. They came down with the cooler, put the body in the cooler, and they sat down there and watched the uh, uh, the dumpster area. And when everybody was gone, there was nobody else around. Because remember, they were up there during a pretty busy period of time. Uh, they got the cooler and they threw it in one of the dumpsters and covered it up with trash. Uh, and the dumpster guy came and got it and they just got lucky. They got lucky. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. 
So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery danger, and romance, and customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Talk hands in the air, Captain. Yeah, to the people in the back. Very fascinating stuff. Like I said, to me, it just paints a clearer picture, and I have a way better understanding of the case and and possibly what went down that that horrible tragic uh, camping trip and the situation has always been a strange one right captain you got this missing child and part of you cannot help but feel bad for the four individuals that were there on the camping trip the, the great-grandfather, the mother, the father, the the friend, Isaac, because they're all wrapped up in this. And, and some of the people on this trip have lost someone, too. Right. And that always makes it very conflicting when you're trying to look at these stories and trying to tear through the details and get a better understanding of what happened because you have that 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 lingering thought in the back of your mind that, these could be people that are very much hurting as well. Well, now what we're getting, as you said, a clearer picture, a better understanding of what likely took place within a 24-hour time period. And it seems to be the, the, the most 
impressive thing, an alarming thing at the same time that's been uncovered by Klein Investigations and Consulting is that not only do the parents know what happened to their son, but Vernal, the father, is steering the ship and controlling the narrative and likely controlling some of the other players or influencing some of the other players here in this matter. Yeah, again, lies upon lies, but also then asking for sympathy from the public. This is this is where it just gets where you stop feeling bad for these individuals and and you start questioning why aren't they just telling law enforcement the truth. And exactly, you're exactly right there, Captain, because not only do we have other family members who are putting up their time, their money, their resources into trying to assist in an investigation that will tell us what happened to Dior or in the early stages, hopefully find him. But keep in mind in the early stages of this investigation, what, what Philip Klein does not mention is that the general public came together and raised almost $30,000 to assist Vernal and Jessica in, in the hopes of finding their son. Yeah, and where is the the justice and where is the peace for this little boy? The only justice, the only peace that could come for this little boy, little Dior Coons, is now in the hands of the investigators, is now in the people that are charged with investigating this case and figuring out exactly what happened. Let's get back to our interview with Philip Klein. So, Philip, you were talking about some of the weird actions of the father, but do we have any weird actions that we can speak about uh, how the mother was acting afterwards? Yeah. She 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 was very submissive, very submissive to Vernal, very submissive, very. And we kind of were looking at that going – did you threaten her? And I tried to ask her the question. She knew where I was going with it and she wouldn't answer me. She just went on to something else. I asked her the question, do you feel threatened in any way, you know, by Vernal or anybody else in Vernal's family or anybody in your family for that matter? Uh, You know, we asked that question and she wouldn't answer it. So we didn't find anything to pinpoint a more exact time of when the cooler could have been moved after law enforcement we do know we do know the pickup times which was tuesday and friday i think and so it would have been friday of after that thursday night that it was picked up and moved uh and or it was dumped into one of the bigger trucks and the bigger trucks went out to the landfill so you can kind of assume what we're doing right now is we're going through uh, it's called uh it's called tagging the landfill. We're going out with what you, because they keep track of everything out in those landfills. They know, they know what truck delivered it. They know what truck picked up the trash, what truck dumped the trash where. They know that stuff at the landfills. So, you, you know, we're going through a, a period of, uh, of uh, imaging and, and marking and all the other good stuff that we do. So if your guys' theory is correct on what happened, this is an accident, something bad happened, they cover it up. So do you think the mother is just not coming forward because she is afraid for her safety if she speaks out of turn? I think so. I think the way she acted, the way she dropped out of the lawsuit, 
you know, Jessica, and she'd given up, uh, she'd given up uh, her other two children to the daddy, um, uh, her other baby daddy. Um, I, I just think Jessica, um, I don't know what to say about Jessica. I, she's definitely a narcissist, in my opinion. Uh, she's definitely hiding something, in my opinion. I think she's definitely knows more than she's telling the general public, law enforcement, and of course, she's never going to talk to us again, in my opinion. The smartest thing for Jessica to do is pick up the phone and call us as PSB investigators, private security board investigators, uh, because we're civil, we're not criminal, we can't charge her, and sit down with us and tell us the story. I'd hate to be Jessica Mitchell and carry this on my in my heart, in my back. I'd, 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 and knowing one day we all are going to die, right? And knowing one day that she's going to die and she's going to have to face uh, you know, our Lord and Savior and uh, if she ever gets a chance to see him. I mean, that's just what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't, I, I just don't know what else to say on that. Uh, Jessica, I believe, is the one that will break first. Uh, and, and finally say something either that, or she's, my belief is she's probably going to end up in a mental institution. I, I, there's, she's gone through so many men. She, she picks bad men, drug addicts, bad guys. Like, uh, I think Vernal's a very bad guy. Uh, picks Vernal. She doesn't pick good men. And, uh, I, I think, uh, she's searching for something. And, uh, you know, and she, and you know, when she's lying because her voice goes up two octaves and she screams, so you know, when you got her in a lie and she never looks at you. That's one thing that I that always bothered me about her during the interview is, uh, my interview with her was that she would never look at me. She'd always look to the left and down and anybody who takes any type of interview courses knows what that means. They just, they're, they're trying to decontact with you and they're just trying to tell you a lie. Is there any evidence that the father was abusive towards the son, towards the two-year-old, or abusive towards his wife? You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. And that, that's always been a discussion. Now you're coming into the investigator's conference room where we all sit and we all are on the on, I guess, what do, you, what do we call it now, Skype or whatever, Zoom, and we're all in the room and we're all talking and we're all going over, okay, well, do you think Vernal could have beat the crap out of him and hurt him high on meth? And I'm kind of like, if he is, he's a cold-blooded killer. But that's what the sheriff, the old sheriff thinks. If they won't come out and they were offered a deal, you know, everybody says, well, they were offered immunity. Yes, they were from a class C misdemeanor, if they won't agree to a class C misdemeanor, which is a traffic ticket, which is a $200 fine. And if you're lucky a day in jail, if they won't agree to that, like the old sheriff say, Bowerman said, he looked me right in the eyes. He said, well, if they won't take that deal, what deal is it? What did they really do? Think about that. Did you guys uncover anything that, I mean, shortly after they come down off of the mountain that you found to be odd behavior from? Oh, yeah. All over the place. From the point of telling us that the baby was knocking on the window, talking to the guy that was pumping the gas, to the guy that was pumping the gas, and there was no kid in the car, to the, to the, to the stage shop, 
It was unusual for them to go into that long diatribe and say, oh, he was running around. Everybody was laughing at him. There was a long line of people, da, 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 da. We go back and look at the register inputs. There was no long line of people. And, and, and we talked to the lady that actually rung it up. And she said, there was no small kid in here. To the beer guy who said, there was, I never put anybody like that up in my truck. To the truck guy that said, we found the truck guy. He said, no, I never, I never did that. What, what are y'all talking about? You know, the, these are the weird things, these stories they made up that they really, in, in, in my opinion, that they thought we would fall for hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, it's almost like they didn't think anybody would check on their stories. Yeah, nobody can check that. They can't find these people. It's a year or two down the line now. They can't find them. Well, if you can't find them a year or two down the line, you're not a very good investigator, right? So I don't know. We have a great team here and they're really good at what they do. And, you know, sure enough, they walk in here with these long faces and say, yeah, I found the, I found the beer guy. I, I'll never forget that. Uh, Charlie walking in saying, I found the beer guy. Oh, cool. What the beer guy say? Did, did he, you know, did he play with a little Dior? Did he, he, said, he never saw a little Dior. So when they were offered this immunity, basically from law enforcement, did they have to show where the body was or produce the body? Yep. I had to tell them where the body was. And if they would have produced this body and they ran tests and did an autopsy and, and found out that their story wasn't true or they weren't being truthful, they then could have been in big trouble for that. They could. Lying to a federal agent, that's big money, right? That's big money. You with me? Yeah, but so law enforcement is just, tell us the truth, tell us what happened. Tell us what happened. And if we can verify what your story is, the least we'll charge you with is a misdemeanor. That's what we'll charge you with, is, which is a misdemeanor. And they wouldn't take the deal. So like the sheriff told me, he said, Philip, he said, I know you're not a, you're not a, uh, you're, you're not a, uh, uh, a criminal investigator, but you're pretty good at what you do. He said, let me just present it to you this way. And that's how he presented it to me. And I was kind of like, wow, you know what, dude? You're right. You're right. They won't take a misdemeanor plea and they won't show us what happened with the body. Now, his attorney spun it big time. His attorney spun it as, oh, well, they just don't know. And we were like, you, you don't know? Wait a minute. What are you telling us here? Um, I, I Again, it's all just built on lies. And you can't and once you're presented with a lie, that's it. It's over. Okay? We're we're we we got you. What Philip, what is the sex shop story that So, okay, let me set it up for you. We call Yeah. Well, well actually, let me let me yeah. lead you in with this. So Dior Coons and you you correct me if I'm wrong on anything. Dior Coons Jr., little boy, two and a half years old. Missing, reported missing July right. 10th, right? And then we are spending all this time with all these efforts, with with lots of technology and resources up on the mountain, looking for the little boy. We don't find him. Saturday, July 18th is Father's Day. And on this day, Vernal spends the day camped out just yards away from where his son, air quotes, disappeared mm -hmm. from. Now, where's the sex shop story taking okay. place? So when we present everything we've got to Jessica, 
Vernal's sitting in the parking lot in his car, waiting on Jessica to come out. One hour turns into five. Five hours turns into seven. And then I guess uh, Jessica's mother shows up in the seventh or eighth hour and says, okay, that's enough. We're done. So she, she walks out. Uh, Jessica walks out of the police station. We're all just kind of, we all in another room watching the interview, just shaking our heads. Jessica walks out and gets in a car. And then Vernal's in that car. Now, you would think after seven, eight hours in an interrogation, like you've never seen an interrogation before. They had nice people come in, mean people come in. They had psychologists come in. I mean, they were really working her. You would think a person would be so tired that they'd say, just take me home. I just want to go home and take a shower. I just, I just, I need to lay down, right? That's what I do. I don't know about y'all. And I'm a big, strong guy. Couple glasses of yeah, wine, so I'm I can, a big, strong yeah. guy. Carries a gun for a living. I guarantee, if I went, if I went into that type of atmosphere, I mean, I guarantee you, I'd go home and say I'd sleep for a, a couple of days. But no, they get in the car and they drive over to a sex shop. They go into the sex shop, and of course, we've got it all on video. Clone my winky. They can't, they buy a product called Clone My Winky. I, uh, uh, and, and, and she's just out of an FBI interview. And so they laugh and they're cutting up and they're doing all this stuff. Well, they immediately take it and take it home because it was not only we were following them, but the FBI was following them. So it was like everybody's following these people. They go home and the lights go out and boom, it's over for the day. Well, we're sitting there going, what is this? And that's when the sheriff actually got mad. He said, I'm telling you, she's some kind of narcissist. And I was like, she's some kind of something. But, you know, I'm not a doctor of medicine and I can't give give diagnosis. But I've never seen that before. Even with people that were were guilty, they walk out of there thinking, ah, 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 I beat them again, right? I've never seen that. They've usually walked out of there with tears in their eyes or they're red in the face or they're hungry or they're something. I've I've never seen that before. Both of them have, have, in my opinion, based upon how I've been trained, have some type of narcissistic personality disorder where, as the sheriff said, if it wasn't an accident, it has to be a murder or an intentional murder. That's where law enforcement is right now. Why would you hide the body? Why would you? They don't, you know, why? She spends how many? Six, seven, well, eight hours? I say in the seven room hours. With- seven hours of actual interview time of video that we have. But I'd say she'd been in there nine hours at least. And and it's it in reliving the traumatizing experience of losing your child and and having no clue as to what happened to them and probably even being accused of horrible things during that time period during the questioning and then to cap off the day on the way home, we stopped by the sex shop and uh, celebrate. Yeah. But uh, see, I I don't know if I lean towards that. That's something wrong with her more so that it's a, it's like, but it's like, yeah, but the captain saying here is the power and control side of it. Right. Captain. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause what I'm saying is like, you know, that's a abusive tactic from, from men to go, well, in order for me to believe what you said to the cops, you're going to do this sexual act for me. 
or or whatever it is. So I I wonder how 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 abusive, you know, verbally, mentally, you know, that relationship was, um, because to to me that doesn't seem like a a a thing a normal thing. But I could I could see an abusive man going, okay, well, you know, for me to believe you or or you owe this to me or whatever. Exactly. I, I almost. Yeah, you're right on it. You're right on it. Yep. And, and, and I think he's in her ear, you know, I, 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 you know, remember you go back to the video, right? The media video where they actually catch him saying, Hey, um, you know, you've got to say, you've got to say in today tense, not past tense. And she looks right. at him going, what, you know, screw you like rolling her eyes. Right. Right. Vernal yep, steering exactly. the ship. That's a good he's, way. To- well, I, I would like to see his phone records too, uh, to see if he, he's the one calling her mother to say, you need to go in there and, and stop this. Uh, you know what? Maybe. I don't know. Um, you know, Vernal's been very interesting about his phone. You know, he tells us that that's the other great thing. Vernal, I don't know if he, I just don't know if he's stupid or what. But we do have an audio tape of the 911 call from Vernal to 911 about his son missing, right? And he's talking to him on the phone. Well, I think we've kind of hinted at what we have. But we actually, at the same time, uh, uh, Jessica is talking to 911, right? Saying, my son's missing. He's two years old. Well, guess what we hear in the background? Vernal talking to 911. But he's supposed to be like a a mile and a half down the road. Has that been released? I remember hearing Jessica's 911. We're not releasing. Yeah, law enforcement's asked that not to be released because that's going to be a that's going to be a huge uh, that's going to be a huge part of the case. But everybody knows about it. I mean, the cops released it and said, "Yeah, this is what's happened. This is what's going on." Our original coverage of the Dior Coons missing persons case suspicious death investigation, possible homicide investigation case. We released that in May of 2019 in episodes 305 and 306. And what Philip is talking about right here in regards to the 911 calls, because there were two, one from Jessica, one from Vernal. You can hear in our episode 305 timestamp 29 minutes and 38 seconds where Vernal is describing the 911 calls and that he and Jessica are not in the same location when those calls are coming in. These statements and what police find in their investigation very quickly is that this is a discrepancy in their story, that this is a uh, deception on both of their behalfs. And it sounds like Vernal's 911 call has not been released to the public. Philip, is there anything that we that we didn't touch on today that we we should make clear for for the listeners in regards to this case before? I don't know. I, I think I think two things. I think number one, I think most importantly of all of it, uh, most importantly, I think that um, when. Um, Vernal, well, I'm just going to say it this way. I believe, as y'all obviously think, um, Vernal's running the show. 
and he's letting trying to let the clock run out. Um, and I think that that's kind of interesting. I think he's trying to say, oh, the longer it goes, the worse it'll be. Well, the longer it goes, uh, I, I'm sorry, the longer it goes, the better it will be. The longer it goes in reality, the worse it's going to be for him. I mean, he needs to understand that. No, he, and he's got a wild card out there, okay? And her, her name is Jessica. That's the wild card. And he can't, you know, now they're not right. married and now they, they say they don't talk to each other. I'm telling you right now that, you know, one day she's going to wake up. That's the baby she birthed. That's the baby that came out of her. Uh, is she the mother of the year award? Absolutely not. She's, she, she wouldn't even get honorable mention, but there's an inherited part of a human being that knows when their child is dead, they will do anything it takes, right? It'll, they'll do anything it takes to come out of that horrible psychosis and say, oh my God, my baby's dead. I, I'm going to make this better, right? Does that make sense? Right. And I think oh, that yeah. that's the other wild card out there. Uh, I think, like I said before, I'll say it again. I think Jessica knows what happened, and I think she's keeping it underneath her skin. I really do. In your professional opinion, in your expert opinion, what do you think will happen? Well, I think the sheriff up there, you know, there's only he's he, the poor guy. He he has him and five deputies, right? <laughs> that's it. Right. And they work their butts off. They work 12-hour shifts six days a week. And the sheriff is a dedicated guy. I'll tell you what, you'll never find uh, 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 you'll never find a better guy than, than him. And I think that he has a plan. And I think uh, um, I think that he will come up with his plan. Uh, I don't I don't want to say anything about the sheriff in Limhi County other than absolutely positive stuff, right? I just, I, I just want to say something very, very positive. Um, the media is scared now to report the case because of the lawsuit. Uh, you know, uh, East Idaho News, who we had a good relationship with. I don't think we have a very good relationship with them now from what my staff is telling me. Uh, you know, they want no interest in being a part of the case now. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you uh, about that. I think the second thing is, and most importantly is, uh, uh, Vernal's worst nightmare is that the police officers are not going to give up, just like we're not going to give up. We're not giving up on this child. Not going to happen. Well, we want to thank you for allowing us to be a part of your investigation and informing Oh, you're very welcome. And let me say one other thing. One of the misnomers out there, and I think it's very important, and I'm just going to give you a little hint on this. One of the misnomers, and I think you guys reported it as well, is that the water runs into this small lake up in um, uh, up in Lador, Idaho, up at the campground. It doesn't. It runs out of the lake. So if you if you look at the map and you look at how the water runs out of that lake, it's just a it's just a um, a snow runoff little lake. If you look, you'll go back and you'll look at Jessica Mitchell and Vernal running around down there saying, oh, I'm fishing for tadpoles. Uh, or not tadpoles, but little fish. There's no little fish in there. 
Well, thank you, Philip. We really appreciate your time today and bringing us up to speed on where the case stands today. You're, you're very welcome. And thank you, too, for everything you do for the missing. It's very important. That's how we came upon you, uh, is that w- during our peer review uh, and, and uh, your, 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 uh, your podcast was put in there about this. And we listened to it very closely. And you guys do a great job. Thank you very much for what you do for the missing. I want to thank everybody so much for joining us here back in the garage. Make sure you share these cases on social media. And Colonel, do we have a recommended reading for the listener? Well, if you're following the news, you already know that one of the most notorious serial killers to be apprehended in the last 30 to 35 years, wedged right between Jeffrey Dahmer and the BTK Dennis Rader, was Theodore Kaczynski, a.k.a. the Unabomber. He was a serial killer, domestic terrorist who's been locked up since 1996. Ted Kaczynski was found dead in his cell the morning of June 10th with significant neck injuries and a depressed trachea. By the time he was discovered, rigor mortis had already set in. At least one source reported that Ted appeared ghost-like and frail leading up to his death. Ted Kaczynski was 81 years old, serving out a life sentence in the Colorado Supermax facility. But in December of 2021, Kaczynski was moved to a prison medical facility. Many of the news outlets out there are saying the reason for Kaczynski's transfer is unclear. However, last year we interviewed true crime author Jamie Gehrig, who told us that Ted was diagnosed with cancer. So with Ted in the news again, this is a good reminder to go and check out her book, Madman in the Woods, Life Next Door to the Unabomber. Jamie had the unfortunate experience of growing up in the woods of Montana, right next door to domestic terrorist and serial killer Ted Kaczynski. Check out her book, The Madman in the Woods, one of my favorite true crime books of 2022. You can find that great title and many more on our recommended page, on our website, truecrimegarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details.